This is Grant Harrison from the Water Boys here with Tyler Newsom. Tyler, what about the water? Now that's some high quality H2O right there. Welcome back, Waterboys fans. Season 3, episode 12. Today, we're going to try something different, and hopefully you guys are going to enjoy it along the way. Uh, today, instead of having a guest, we're going to try setting this up like a normal sports talk show. In, that, in the terms of that, I mean, like, if you've ever seen Tim Friends or First Take or any of those shows like that, we're going to try and set it up today. So I'll be like the moderator, Grant and Taylor are going to answer the questions, kind of like a Stephen A. Smith and uh, used to be Max Kellerman debate. Uh, but How about Dan Cowboys? <laughs> yeah. Basically what we're trying to say is we are pulling copyright infringement and basically a ripoff. But no, it should no, be fun because no. it's the island version of it. No, no, <laughs> no. Okay, so today's show is uh, Justin Friends. <laughs> copyright infringement. <laughs> I mean, probably. Um, <laughs> Justin and pals. But the first first topic of the debate, guys, in all serious, seriousness, is the World Cup. And my first question, well, the first question that we have today is, did Canada meet expectations for this World Cup being the first time that they've been on the pitch in 36 years? Oh, yes. Stage? They met expectations in that I had no expectations. And they met them. I didn't expect them to do well, and they aren't doing spectacular. So. Okay. Well, I mean that's that's fair, but why do you think you had no expectations for this team? No offense, but it's North American soccer. I mean, I didn't have any expectations for the U.S. either. For them to draw England, that's spectacular. But soccer in the U.S. and Canada is just not as big. There's would, a World Cup of hockey. Yeah, but it's becoming bigger and a lot. It's becoming bigger and yeah. it's not just going like slowly. It's becoming bigger quickly in Canada. Canada shouldn't look at how they're doing. They should look at how they made it there and build on that. Because mm-hmm. that's the accomplishment. I think they've exceeded expectations. To be, to be honest, I think they've far surpassed. And that's saying something even with a loss. They dominated the world number two. Yes, they lost that game. But that should have been a win. Belgium's Belgium's not a true number two. Belgium sucks. Right now, yes. But when you look at it, they were the world number two going into this. They dominate the world number two. They come onto the stage and dominate a country that's been big at the World Cup for many, many, many tournaments. They dominated. They had many chances to score. Davies with the missed penalty. Buchanan couldn't get the ball on net to save his life, apparently, that whole game. But then Croatia was kind of rude. Uh, yes. I just, I think like Grant said, they had no expectations going into this. First World Cup in 36 years. So that's amazing to begin with. And then not only that, but they qualified in just dramatic fashion. They ran that entire uh, CONCACAF group. And they did finish first in that group, yeah. beating the U.S. I think, so, I think football is growing considerably in Canada. I think it's growing, I think the Canadian brand is growing considerably around the world. They put the world on notice of this World Cup. And they got one more chance to walk away with a big W, take down Morocco, who just beat Belgium. Mm-hmm. And I just, if they could walk out with one win, even though they're just, dis- even though they're already disqualified from further, like going into the group yep. of sixteen, I think if they can walk away with one win against Morocco, and 
put up a performance like they did against Belgium, I think they'll leave Canadian fans with tremendous respect and just put even the country itself on notice that, hey, Canada can play... Canada can play football. We're here. Yeah. We'll be there next World so, Cup, and we got a lot of good young names. So to go off of that, and you kind of just said, like, rude awakening by Croatia, do you think John Herdman's comments about we're going to go F Croatia after the loss to Belgium, I, I understand the mindset, but do you think it was appropriate? I think he was riding real high after Belgium. I think his emotion, well, riding high in a sense that he loved his group's performance, but also got kind of his almost a dream shattered in half by losing because mm-hmm. not there's not an analyst in the world there's not a, like a, there's not a football man or a fan in the world that would not say Canada shouldn't have won that game at the, at halftime Canada had a 2.67 expected goals Belgium had under one they were like 0.68 yeah so Canada should have won that game I think he was just riding high on how well his team performed and also a bit heartbroken that they couldn't grab those crucial three points, as we know now. Those comments not justified at all. Totally the wrong move. With soccer, the margin of error is so small. One goal could be the difference in a game. Look at U.S. and England. One goal would have won that for the nation. Either one. Look at how England, the fans of England, England football, was talking before the U.S. match. So confident they would win it, and it ended in a draw and shattered them their dreams. I do, have to, I do have to say that U.S. was also pretty cocky going into that match as well. Well, yeah. I'm not well, saying they were justified you, comments, but I just yeah. think it was his emotion along with some heartbreak taking over in and that moment. When you address the public, you got to leave that behind in soccer. Look at one hockey player. Name me one hockey player who in the Stanley Cup Finals is going to be, oh, we're going to win this one. That confident. I don't think you can name one. Nah, I can't think of anyone that would guarantee a win now. Exactly. But the yeah, no, the coach was just. I think he was just real riding high after that kind of performance. I think he was probably even a bit shocked of how well they performed against Belgium. Yeah. So and got a little confident, like you said, and was also the emotion was just there. So I mean, going into our next question already, I think that during that first game, the biggest moment I think everyone can agree was upon is the penalty shot that was right on early in the game that Alfonso Davies. Yes, penalty <laughs> penalty kick. My bad. I'm sorry. Alfonso Davies so, so clearly was confident, grabbed the ball, and took it up to the penalty dot. Almost no discussion behind No discussion. Ball. He obviously missed. So, should Alfonso Davies have taken that penalty shot? No. Alfonso Davies is probably Canada's greatest player right now. He's amazing he talent, is. and There's he's got some, so yeah. many years of good football ahead of him. But what I... They didn't talk about who was going to take it before. And it was such a huge moment in such the early parts of the game that could have changed the narrative. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan David is known for being the PK guy on his team. And they just... Alfonso Davies, yes, he's like the face of Canada right now for football, but I just think he just... He wasn't the right guy, and for a guy that young, too, on the biggest stage, his first World Cup, I think there was probably a lot of emotion in his head, and he kind of he kind of looked like he didn't come across the ball right either. But like they should not get the right kick. No, they should have. That's it's like a shootout in hockey. You don't just say who's feeling good today, and you send it. You have a lineup. You practice these things. You know who you're sending out in each round of a shootout. When it comes to penalty kicks, you got to plan that ahead of time. You got to have your best guy ready to go in that moment. Yeah, I'll actually agree with you. You got to send the right guy out for the moment, and they didn't. No. Jonathan David is known for being the PK guy on his team, so he has the experience. I mean, my only rebuttal would be. 
Alfonso Davies is the face of Canada. That's no, I think there's probably more emotion in terms of Canada soccer, I should say. Yeah, but yeah, no, he wasn't. I'm not saying he was the worst guy to take that kick. He just wasn't probably the best option at that moment in time. And to follow up what you were saying about like they didn't decide. Do you think Herdman? That is the one wrong thing Herdman has done this tournament. Did not decide who yeah. was taking a penalty shot. Like guaranteed, yeah. if you this is happening, this guy's taking a penalty shot. Probably a bit tighter defense in some of the, in some of those moments too. It would have been probably better for him to have established within the team. Yeah. But I think yeah, not. You're going into the World Cup, Canada's first World Cup in 36 years. I know you got a young team. You want to let them experience this stage and let them kind of control their own fate. But you're the manager of this football club for a reason. You gotta be prepared to make those hard decisions. You're not there to be their friend. You're there to control this team. You're there to make sure there's a plan, there's a strategy. And when you got a penalty kick 19 minutes into your first game against the what was the world number two, mm-hmm. you gotta set the tone. You gotta put the best guy possible in that scenario. You gotta have that plan. Yeah. The point of the team is to have people thrive where others lack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like basketball where whoever gets fouled takes the shot. You can choose <laughs> in a PK. So choose the right person. I'm not trusting Tom Brady to make an open field tackle at cornerback. Yeah. But he can throw the heck out of a ball. Yeah. So put a good PK kicker up. Yeah. I I I I I'd have to agree with both of you on this one. I, I think that Alfonso Davies was the wrong guy to take it. Yep. But anyway, no disrespect to him though. By no, 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 no. Davies, you're the man. He did. He did score Canada's first ever World Cup. Yeah, as a beauty of a header too. A Congrats to him. Yeah. He's yeah. killing it. But I just think it was the wrong, you, wrong man for the. I know this isn't a question you have there, but do you think it's weird that he was playing forward all tournament when he's a defensive back no. on his team in Bayern? No, no, because he in in club football it's different. He's he doesn't have to play up front. If he doesn't play up front, what attacking do they have other than Jonathan David? I know he was breaking some ankles during the during the game against Belgium too. Like yes, yeah. and Davies is a wing back in yeah. Bayern Munich. He usually plays like he can run up the field and then come back. But for this, I think if he's not up front, their attacking is not anywhere near as what it is with him no. up front. Take away that PK mess, I still think he was the best player candidate had all tournament so far to this to this point. There's a few really good standouts, but Alfonso is the one who has the most ball control and the best moves so mm-hmm. far I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So, moving on to the next topic of the show, MLB. Mm-hmm. Now, this is just in Jose Abreu just signed with the Astros. It's unfinal. We don't have the details about what the three, actual contract. Three years, 60 million. Three years, 60 million. So, with that signing, it poses a question... Is it unfair? Are they becoming the Dodgers? <laughs> the AL Dodgers. Essentially. <laughs> are they becoming the Dodgers? Thoughts. Oh, I love it. You love it? I love powerhouses in baseball. It's the only sport where there's no salary cap. And it's true, best team stays the best. Who's got the richest owners? underdog yeah, knocks it's... them off. I love it. Call me wrong here, but a team that's great should be able to stay great. And not have to readjust because a million dollars has a market So competitive yes. balance doesn't matter to you? There is balance, though. The Astros lose games during the season. There's a chance that there was a chance they were going to get knocked off by the Phillies. By the Phillies. There leaves room for air. Look at Oakland back in 2004. Moneyball. 
<laughs> of course you had to reference that. Yes. If you're gonna play, play smart. And that's what teams gotta do. I'm not the hugest of fans, like Graham, but I still think it was I think it's a good signing for Jose Abreu. And I think it's gonna be a good sign for the for the Astros. I just you had to slip that one in there, didn't you? What? You you started out by saying Dodgers. I caught that. Good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I just I was surprised to see him leave the White Sox. I'm just the White Sox thing never panned out for anybody. They were supposed to be a powerhouse too, and it just never worked out. But mm-hmm. uh, I was surprised when I first saw it. I figured they were gonna go back after Guriel, keep him around, and they're not denying that they're still gonna try and pursue him. But that sign of Jose Abreu was an upgrade. Former MVP, $20 million season deal for three years, and I just... It's not that bad, actually. No, I think the Astros are just stating that, hey, we might have just won our second World Series in, what, five seasons, but we're not going anywhere. And here's the other side of it. What if Jose bites it, and Houston just drops $60 million of their budget? What, like, what budget? They don't have a budget. Well... Every place has a budget. It doesn't matter how much money you have, and or it yeah. just depends on how much your owners want to put yes. into the into the team. So exactly. I I think that this signing just if anyone thought the Astros were gonna go or like fall off, they were. I think they were never gonna fall off. They're they're the they're the powerhouse of the AL, yeah, like the Yankees. They're. they're gonna be that team from now on. But does Verlander stay or go? Verlander Resigner Is he leaving for the Is he leaving for the NL Dodgers <laughs> v, uh, Ver, Verlander stays Verlander stays in Houston Yes You I know how much so. He's projected to make this year I know it's One year deal For 43 yeah, million dollars 40 million dollars 3 million dollars So one season. It, it will be interesting To see what happens But Moving on The NFL Just had a Very interesting weekend I mean I guess you could say Every single weekend In the NFL Is interesting Because there's upsets There's Just chaos Uh, But In today's Episode of chaos uh, Things look to be Getting hot Heated And uh, Tension seem to be Boiling over In Denver (laughs) Uh, Mike Purcell 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 (laughs) Sorry my bad My bad Purcell Uh had a very interesting altercation with Russell Wilson on the sidelines Sunday in the loss to Carolina. Voices were raised. What are your comments on the altercation that took place? I'm fully on Mike Purcell's side. This has been not even close to the year I was expecting out of the Denver Broncos as a fan or as just a fan of the NFL. They made a move to finally move on from Drew Locke. And I don't think the Broncos would be any different if they had Drew Locke at QB, which is sad to say considering they have Russell Wilson at QB. But I think the Denver defense, no matter how you look at Denver, like you said the other week, they'd be, what, 8-1 if they could score 18 points a game? No, they'd actually be 9-1. They'd be 9-1 if they could score 18 points a game. 18 points a game is nothing major in the NFL nowadays. It's nothing to see a 40-point game from some teams. But now they'd be 9-2 and two because Carolina. Yeah, but like you're looking at 9-2 and two if you could score 18 points in a game. 18 points in an NFL game, you're almost at 10 wins already. Instead of, what, 3-8? and eight? Yeah, Are you kidding? Eight right Are you kidding me? Like, 18... If you would have told me that at the start of the year, I would have been like, man, we'll be 10-0 we'll be right now. 
but 18 points, and they can't even get more than three wins. Mike Purcell has every right to look at his supposed-to-be MVP caliber quarterback and say, what in the bleep are you doing, man? You have two great wide receivers, three with KJ Hamler there. You had a great running back. You can't, you can't change injuries. But come on, Russell. Danger. Where's Danger Us? Where's the guy we sent, what, two first-round picks, a second-round pick, our best tight end, and Drew Locke to Seattle for? A first-round pick that's going to be, what, like fifth overall for Seattle now? Seattle team that's 6-5. and five, Yeah, right? no, Mike Purcell has every right. He Denver's had one of the best defenses in the league this year, and they've got nothing to show for their efforts. I'm right there with you, because yeah. everything you're feeling right now represents Denver fan base, and Mike Purcell represents... Denver fan base as well. And he deserves some credit, too. Yeah. Like, those guys in, in the back have been unreal this season. And yet, an 18-point-per-game performance can't like, be had by the Broncos. Do you think it was more so of a good altercation to have, or do you think it's more so going to cause tension in the locker room? I think it's going to help in the long run. Because sometimes, in sports, you just need to look at your teammate and tell them they are playing horribly. It, it helps. If, if I make a mistake... Do you think it brings them closer together? Yes. Look look at any fight you've had with someone close to you. At the end of it, you're either further apart or closer together. And there's no in-between. And there's no further apart the Broncos can get right now. That <laughs> is a fair point. And that's going to be my next point. Is you're 3-8. and eight. How much worse can it get? I mean, playoff hopes are already out. We don't even have our first-round pick. We don't pick him. The 49ers are playing great right now. We have their first-round pick. And so what? We're getting, like, a 25th overall? Great. I think both you guys have interesting comments on that discussion. Have fun in Miami, Bradley Chubb. We have to move on to the next comment, or next question of the show. After yesterday's performance by Mike White of the New York Jets, who are now 7-4... Do you think Zach Wilson is done for the rest of the season? But let me just refer this before you guys get into your debate. Mike White threw for 20 Mike White threw 22 completed sorry, 22 of 38 passes, threw for 315 yards and three touchdowns and zero interceptions in yesterday's 31 to 10 win over the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields didn't play, right? Yes, he did not play. Yeah. But but he bangs moms. No, see, that's the thing, right? Is Zach Wilson is going to be New York Jets version of Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, right? Jacoby Brissett is better. What about Johnny Manziel? <laughs> Manziel's nameless right now. <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> At least Baker is still somewhat relevant. <laughs> but no, Zach Wilson's done for in Do New York mean, this season. Okay, so this season, but you're not saying completely ever, forever, like, he, he'll get a shot next year? He'll get a shot next year. Yeah, definitely. But, right now, Jets, little shaky. They're still pretty good. They're better than New England. They're better than New England. But, you know, little shaky start. You're gonna figure it out. You're almost guaranteed for a wild card at this point. Probably a playoff spot is the most likely option. It's, it's nice to be able to say for New York football fans that Zach Wilson being benched is probably the least of their worries right now. Because they have a good Jets team. Yeah. Yeah, the Jets are good. And they're going to, like you said, they're going to make up, they're probably going to be a wild card team. And when you can do that without your supposed, like, starting quarterback, 
let let him go on the MILF train all he wants. You guys are winning football games. Your defense is your insurance right now. Yeah. They're playing pretty well. Saskia. So feel free to play with your offense. See what works. Yeah, no, 100%. I think, let, honestly, like I said, let the defense go and uh, see what your offense can do. Jets, you make the wild card, that's a win. So I'm moving into the next question of the NFL. It's a, it's a pretty interesting one because today marked a special day. Deshaun Watson was activated for the first time this season on the Cleveland Browns roster after being suspended for the first 11 games of the season. He is set to make his debut against the Houston Texans this upcoming week. So, currently the Browns are 4-7. and seven. Can no. you see them going undefeated the rest of the season and competing for a wild card spot at 10-7? and seven? I will list the remaining uh, opponents. You got Houston, Cincinnati, Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington, and Pittsburgh. Go. No, they're not going undefeated. Are you kidding me? Undefeated? Against Lamar Jackson? Hey, I don't write these questions. The producer does. (laughs) No. Anyway, Deshaun Watson is going to be rustier than a bolt underneath a 05 Chevy after the winter. All right? This is going to be ugly football for Cleveland right now. Keep Jacoby Brissett in. Really? I don't like Deshaun Watson at all, but I think Cleveland could potentially go undefeated. The only game I'm concerned about would be Cincinnati. I think they can beat Lamar Jackson. I I believe... I don't think he's going to be... I think he's been practicing. He looked good before he was suspended, and I think he's got better wide receivers than Baker Mayfield had last year. And he's had better wide receivers than he's ever had in Houston. So I think I think he could for hundred percent go. Cincinnati would be a challenge, I think, but yeah. I think he could take down Baltimore and the rest of those teams. I mean, yeah, I could really pose the question: Do you think he's going to come out? Obviously, Grant thinks he's going to come out rusty and underperform. But do you think he's going to come out and perform immediately like he was before he got traded or get, I, before he got suspended? I think the Texans are the perfect welcome game. It's a team he's going to want to beat. It's a team that's not going to pose as much of a threat as like the Bengals or the Ravens would going into his week one. Mm-hmm. Houston's a nice like easy training wheels, easing back into the season. And uh, he's going to be high on emotion one to beat that. That's, that's a Texans. very fair point. Yeah, that's going to be a preseason game. I'm not going to lie. He's going to beat Houston, but he'd be lucky to break 500. I, I personally I agree with those comments. I think that I'd say five and one or six. A training wheel game, and yeah, I, yeah, I think five and one or six. Of them. Cincinnati. I think Lamar Jackson is just the Ravens are so fluky. Ravens Cincinnati are so fluky. is. Like flowing in the right direction right now. Yeah. Um, so that's probably their toughest game on the schedule. Yeah. The last NFL question I have right now for this week show is the water. The NFC East is all in the playoffs right now. Um, they are well. Phillies ten and one. New York's eight and three. Uh, the Jets are seven and four, I do believe, or eight and three, seven and four, yes, seven, seven and four. four. And the Washington Commanders are seven and five, making them. The Washington Commanders are in the playoffs. Yes, they are in the seventh spot <laughs> over the Seattle Seahawks right now at six and five. So, will all four NFC East teams make the playoffs? No, Washington's gonna tank big time. Yeah, I. 
I don't know. Uh, Wild card's back. Wild card. Chase Young is back. Chase Young comes back next week. I I think they're a first week exit if they make the playoffs. But with the way the NFL's going this season, hell, who am I to say the Washington Commanders are going to make a playoff push? Ron Rivera, take your team as far as Taylor Heineke will take you. Taylor or Tyler? Taylor? Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke, yeah. Chase Young back. Commanders. Commanders country. Let's ride. No, they're not going to tank. Sorry, they're not going to make it. They're going to tank because you Tom Brady's going to pull it out of the Right, you don't mean tank. You just mean like kind of just go average the rest. Of Be the Colts of last year. No, I mean eight. tank because if you start like this, making the playoffs after last season, and then don't make the playoffs, you're tanking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So they're gonna tank because Tom Brady's gonna pull it out of his arse. Uh, but San Fran's gonna hold out. No, I, I think I, Seattle's I, gonna but, get Whoa, 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 whoa! Tampa Bay is already in the playoffs. They're the division leader yeah. at five and six. Atlanta's oh five and God. seven, and they're second place in the division. That division does not have a team above five hundred right now. So technically, Tampa Bay is already in the playoffs right now. I think no, man. So, but if the rest of the NFC. So the team makes in the hunt, impact. the team right behind Washington right now is the Seattle Seahawks at six and five. Yeah, I Lose. think Seattle's gonna get better. I think I don't dismiss that. I think Seattle is going to be a heavy playoff push. But I mean, the Commanders, their first NFL official season as the Commanders. Ron Rivera's a hell of a coach. I think they're going to make a one week playoff appearance as the Commanders just to kind of give fans that little hope. NFL is a Cinderella story this year. I will year. say that the Commanders also did make the playoffs last year. Yeah, but they were the no names. Yes. Yeah, so I think Commanders' inaugural season, I think they're going to make one week of playoff performance. Well, let's go on to the. NHL, shall we? This is a spicy topic because first, if you look at the question, it's ah. Uh, you got me at the start of the show. With it. It's a, it's. What are you even talking about? Get, get your head out of the gutter. But is Jason Robertson the best player in the NHL right now? Right now, right now is the key to that question. I, he's already surpassed his goal total last year by one, and he only, he what, it was 52 games last year, and he's at 22 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's already surpassed that total in 22 games. He's at 18 and he's 17. Got, he's got 18 goals, 17, 17 assists yeah. for 35 points, second only behind Connor McDavid. I think he is the, for sure, the hottest player in the NHL right now. He had three straight games of two goals uh, before last game. He was held off the goal sheet, or the score sheet for goals, but... When you go three straight games with two goals, you're Dallas's poster boy right now, you and Audi. I, I, I just, I would challenge you to name a hotter player, I should say, in the NHL than Jason Robinson. Connor McDavid. McJesus. But right now, though? He's, Robertson's a good player, yes. Yeah. He's doing real well. Mm-hmm. But McDavid, more reliable, better but, player. But the question is right now, hotter right now. What what do you define as right now? Last week, last two last, weeks, last three to five games. I'd say your hottest player or the hottest player in the NHL is defined by the last three to five games. Right now. Uh, that they've played. Right now is the last right three, to five, three to five games in that span. Yeah. Okay. Seven goals. That's what Robertson's had. That's really good. In how many games? I'm five. guessing you just looked it up. 
Okay, five games, seven games. You said three straight with two out, with two goals each game. Three straight games. Yeah, it's really good those three games. But whole season, Connor McDavid, and I, that's what I define. As right. Yes, no, but that's no, not the so, question. So the question is right now, right now, and I'll disagree with Taylor. I'll even say last month, Jason Robertson has. I'm not even gonna. I'm. I'm just the moderator essentially, but the last month the, is a broad. Because what we've only had two months of NHL hockey. Then I'll. I'll even narrow it down to last two weeks. Okay, I, I can get by the last two weeks because that'd be around the five game range. Who has? It would be around five to seven. seven yeah, five, five to seven, seven. Yeah. So who has been the best player of the last two weeks in the NHL? And I think it's a clear cut answer. But obviously, Grant, you have some different opinions on that. I think. I don't know. I think when you look at right now, you gotta look at beforehand too, because that means a lot. You're just looking at beforehand, and that kind of confuses it because that's not right now. What I understand where you're trying to make an argument because. Beforehand, you can obviously clear-cut say McDavid's the best player in the NHL. That's that's not a debate anymore. Yeah. But right now, there is a debate for it. Okay, last five games, yes, Robertson, all the way. He's on a tear. He said it. Thank you. Sure, congratulations. But come a month from now. But that's not the question. Okay, yes. <laughs> but can we look at the bigger picture? What's the bigger picture? That this is five games in a how many game season? Okay, but he's played and twenty or what was it? Twenty two games. He's thirty five points. He's thirty five points. And in, Connor McDavid's beating him in, by one point. Yes, by one point. But but can what? he hang on? He hasn't slowed down yet this season. Connor McDavid's one point ahead of him. Say is, season so far. All I'm gonna say to this is both you guys have interesting comments, but. Scoring, beating your goal total from last year with 30 games less played is just insane. Uh, I think it thinks What's, he must be on pace for a high 40s, low 50s season. Yes, yeah. and that's just 18 goals in 22 games. I think he got 60 that's more games 60, played. Like, yeah. like, like that's on pace for 60. Barring it's, any injuries. It's crazy. But anyway, moving into a keep it up. Or fall off debate. Will Seattle keep up what they're doing, or will they fall off? Oh, they're gonna keep up. They're gonna keep up <laughs> until the deadline when they sell. You're they're twelve, three, or five and three right now. You think they're selling? There's if that management team is as smart as I think they are, they're gonna sell hard because they took the. Complete opposite approach to that uh, expansion draft than the Vegas Golden Knights did. They don't have a roster. Even yeah. if they sell all their picks, they don't have the roster to come into the Stanley Cup playoffs and make it past a first round. If they are smart in any means, they'll trade three to four players they can get some value for, get some more depth, get some more picks for future that they can leverage to build around Matty Beneers and eventually Shane Wright when he plays better in the NHL. I don't think it's... I, I have a different opinion on that because that's just a different topic for another day. The it's Shane good Ray, for the fan base to the see. Ray, but 
No. Your thoughts on yeah. them being up? They're gonna hang on because why are you gonna sell if you're doing well? Like because they, why do you why do you not sell and not get the value that you can get and then go into the playoffs if they make the playoffs and lose in the first round to a Vegas Golden Knights to a uh, would that not Colorado mean, Avalanche? Would that not mean a lot to their fans to see them make the playoffs? I'm not I, saying I they can't it, make I, the first. I know it's saying like you're saying like and I would agree with it. They probably are exited out of the first round. But even a first round, uh, exp- or but wouldn't the fans more appreciate a team that's going to be good for a lot of years instead of a team that's going to take longer to develop for not getting the capital and the draft assets and the prospects you could get for trading Jaden Schwartz for trading possibly well you're not going to trade McCann he just signed a long term deal. I'm I'm going to go back to what you Burakovsky. just said. Burakovsky for trading like guys you can get value for. I'm going to go back to what you just said. Vegas. Look at Vegas in their first year as an expansion team and how they went on a tear and surprised us all. They drafted insanely good, though, in that expansion draft. Yeah, so Seattle didn't do as well in the expansion draft, but now they're doing just as well as Vegas did in their first year. So In their second year, too. Yeah, and look at what Vegas did. They, they have hung on. Deeper prospect. They hung below. on to their roster and they hung on to their standing. Ooh. But Ooh. The Seattle Kraken have a much deeper prospect pool, and they are not even... They don't have the roster that Vegas had when they went to the finals their inaugural season. I would agree with that, but if you if if they're winning, why break it up? Exactly. If they're win- Yes, we're also a piece away from the trade deadline, but I think you just got to look at the bigger picture. You're not going to sell everything you have because, yes, you can still make it the first round even if you trade, like, one or two big pieces. But their big pieces are probably, what, second, maybe third-line guys on a Stanley Cup qualifying team? So you trade away those guys who have big value for your club that other clubs are going to want to make the run that they need to, and then you bring in draft capital or prospects out of a pool of a Stanley Cup contender that will build around probably the rookie of the year, Matt Nears, and Shane Wright when he develops. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let the locker room gel a little bit. Get the team rolling, even more than they are now, and you'll be great. My only comment to this is Seattle... Is probably thinking about that. I'm not Seattle's the West version of Ottawa right now. But if they're in their you're in your second season, you want to attract fans immediately. They already love not making is making a playoff appearance not important. They're kind of like the Cape Breton Eagles right now. The Cape Breton Eagles just need to make one round of playoff appearance. To at least give their fans something to cheer about, because they haven't been in the playoffs in a while. Seattle's the same way. You make one round of playoffs, you get put out, hey, at least Seattle now has a taste of playoff hockey. But I think they can still do that and sell off one or two, maybe even three of their pieces that they have and bring in younger, more prospect pool guys. They can still prove it and sell at the same time. They're going to make a move, but they're not going to make too many. Okay, so we have to move on to the next topic. Boston... Is eighteen and three. Jersey is eighteen and four, and Vegas is sixteen six and one. Which out of these three teams are most likely to lift the Stanley Cup at the end of the season? In Boston, we trust. <laughs> Boston, man, they're looking good, and they're looking better than they have in previous years. I'm thinking it's them. As much as I hate to say it, because the Vegas Golden Knights are my Cowboys for Stephen A. Smith. I think Vegas is probably out of the, out of those three teams. Vegas has the deepest roster, 
as we know, they love to sell whatever the heck they can, so they're going to sell whatever the heck they can at the deadline to bring in, not an Eichel kind of guy, but like whatever they can get their hands on, it's going to improve their roster. Their goaltending tandem's playing much better than anyone expected. They, Eichel's hot, Stone's great. I think Vegas is the team that's going to, if out of those three I had to pick one, Vegas is going to be raising the Stanley Cup down the We'll say that Vegas has made some pretty substantial deadline day moves. <laughs> they Stone? They like to roll the dice in the lottery, that's for sure. They're, they're, they're gamblers in Vegas. You know when you drive around in Mario Kart and you see those big cannonball things that are attached to chains and they're just hanging around and then <laughs> suddenly they just bite you? Yeah. That's Boston. They're just hanging around the last two No three idea seasons. where that was going at first. but I like it, though. Good. Yeah. It's called Grantism. you got to hang around for a bit. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> no. They're coming to bite right now. <clears throat> This is their time. This is Tim Thomas era Boston right now. They're looking good. They're looking hot. They have the best tandem in the league. Yeah. They Jeremy Swayman really best tandem, right? Yes. Best tandem. Better than Vegas' tandem right now, Logan Thompson and uh, Yes. Hopefully yes. I'm blanking so hard right now. Logan who's who's there? Other, I who? can't Aiden Hill. I'm yes. not looking to bet on the tandem, I'm looking to bet on the team. I'm bet on Boston. I think they uh, got the, the leadership other, and they have the veteran presence. The only veteran other presence. Tandem, but, uh, I guess you could say, is Bobrovsky and Knight. Oh my God! What? The Knights. Both of them are. Do you know what Sergey Bobrovsky's numbers I, are right now? I know, now? I know, but he has looked like the worst free agent signing about, in the backup. last five years. Yeah, 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 get it. But he's he's his backup and Carter and Spencer. <sighs> yes, but Sergey Bobrovsky is a backup. With a below 900 save percentage, and you think that's a good stat for Dan? You're stats man over here. I shouldn't have started this. No, but if you look at what Florida has done in the past two years... They're in the playoffs right now! Okay, okay, we're looking right now. Bob has, what, four wins and 12 appearances? Yes. With Florida in front of him? Yes, I get it. What's the same percentage? 886? Over three goals against? Florida did make a stupid trade over the offseason. So, What? Oh, yeah, no, Calgary came out way ahead. Sorry, yeah, I love <laughs> Calgary hit him. Wow, great deal for Calgary. Although Mackenzie Week is underperforming right now. So, moving on to the last subject of the show, uh, the QMJHL. And, I mean, we haven't spoken about this much on the show recently, but we're getting close to Christmas now, which means the favorites are starting to pull ahead. Deadline now, deals are coming in. And who are the favorites right now in terms of your guys' eyes? Ramparts, easily and by far. You get the richest organization in the queue. You get Patty Waz, your head coach. They were really good last year, and they weren't even going for it. Well, weren't even officially all in going for it, and they were mm-hmm. incredibly good last year. This year, they're 21-3-0-1, they're I believe. 21-3-0-1. Yeah, they are. That is insane. They're miles out of the rest of the Eastern Conference. Best team in the queue. I just think, if you think you've seen a team buy hard already in the Mooseheads, just wait until the window opens up on December 18th and the Ramparts are able to start wheeling and dealing. The Ramparts are clear-cut by far the favorites in my eyes because, like I said, they were good last year and they weren't officially going for it. This year, they're going for it. They're all in. This is their year. Behind them, I'd put the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Justin Gill's playing insane right now. You got Wah back in the lineup, too. I just I think the Phoenix are another big buy-hard team, and I think they're going to be really surprising to see. And then three, between two and three, I'd put the Phoenix probably in the same boat as the Mooseheads. Mooseheads are definitely Final Four band, but 
those three teams are my final four this year. I'm going to four. I'm going to agree with Quebec. And what was the other one? Sherbrooke Phoenix. I'm going to agree with Sherbrooke. But I'm going to put Victoriaville Tigers up there. They're 16-6 and six right now. Not too impressive. But they're hanging around the top. They're doing pretty well. Only one overtime loss. And late in the season, that's what you need. Yeah. When it comes to overtime, you're going to need to win those tight games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we learned that last yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Tigers are very surprised, to be honest. I, I honestly didn't pay attention at all to their offseason. And I think they've flown heavily under the radar so far this season. But, yeah, like yeah. you said, they're not doing too sleeper shabby. Pick. They're a sleeper pick. Ritter what about, and is what about uh, Halifax for you? Is Halifax on the radar? Uh, they definitely made some recent trades. We'll get into that later. I know that's on the list. But, yeah, they're on the radar for sure. Uh, just pulled up the stats here. They're fourth in the overall queue right now. Who's third? Is that Victoria? Third is Victoria. Ruin Rand, I'd say, is another sleep. They got Bill Zonin up there. He was an inc- he's playing incredible. Just came back from the U-17s. Yep. Um, I don't think they're going to be a buy-hired team, but I think they're going to be the similar Seattle debate we just had. I think they're going to ride it out, and they're going to... They could be like Ramuski. Ramuski's also going to be a buy-hired team, I think. But, uh, yeah, there could be a few surprises out of those top three that kind of shake things up. When it comes to the East, Halifax is the player. Well, no, the Ramparts are also the Ramparts are in the east, and I think I think they're like twelve points ahead of the Blues. Yeah, but but we're gonna see a change here. Anyway, to wrap it up with the last question of the show, we're gonna leave it off with this. Today was a massive trade. We're not gonna sugarcoat it. I think I think it was a massive trade in the queue. Substantial is the words the Mooseheads use. Yes, (laughs) the Halifax Mooseheads got Josh Lawrence, a fifth-year player. Uh, 20 year old overager for a first round pick in 2024 and a second round pick in the 2023 draft. For those who don't know, yeah, for those who don't know, right quick though, in the queue before the December 18th to I think it's like January 5th deadline opens up the trade windows, you can mm-hmm. trade imports or 20 year olds only. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, with that being said, the, the Halifax Moose said only had two, you can have three overagers on your team. They only had two, so they added Josh Lawrence, which is a massive deal because he had over 100 points last year in the queue, and he was on the Memorial Cup winning St. John's Sea Dogs. First round exiting St. John's Sea Dogs. Memorial Cup <laughs> winning St. John's Sea Dogs. That's more impressive, yeah. But the question now is, is this enough for Halifax to be in with Quebec, or are they done making moves? Or are they gonna make a lot of more, a lot of moves in the future? I think this is the biggest move you'll see Halifax make to the deadline. Giving up a first and a second round pick in the queue is something that is a sell hard move because the queue is you get a two year window usually to be really good, and this is Halifax's almost one year window because Dume is debatable to come back. Larue is probably not coming back. Uh, then you got three other guys in their blue line that have been picked up. Uh, Biasca, who knows if he'll be back Mm -hmm. but I think this is a big win now season for Halifax I think they've got a lot of work to do to compete with Quebec and Sherbrooke but I could definitely see them coming after a few maritime players I could see them going up and uh, trying to make a few more impactful deals but not as impactful as Josh Lawrence I don't think it's going to be enough for him No, no. to win the whole thing no, it's not going to be enough and I will say you're, you're giving a guy 
who had over 100 points in the queue last year. You're pairing him up, which I'm most likely, I'm just assuming here, that he's going to be playing with Dume. But Dume, in what, nine, or 22 games, has 54 points. They 54 have the deepest points. center lineup right now. You they have Vitacek, Catafor, and now really Josh do. Lawrence. And when Halifax is all in, they're not just like semi-all in. They're putting all their chips in the middle of the table. And that means that this isn't it. I mean, they've got a great rink, but so do the Dallas Stars. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, sorry. Nah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Like, sure, they're all in. But Islanders were all in last year. Look where that got them. Does this trade prove that they're all in? No, blow. <laughs> uh, I think Cam Russell stated today, their GM, that huge deal. We can see what he can do. I think their forward group is made now. Uh, they might trade out a bottom six piece. For like a defenseman, or even shake up their goalie tandem, because Brady James is not—he won't be getting any starts. Matthew Russo is going to carry that team as far as he can go, unless they decide to make the biggest splash in the queue and trade for like a goalie that could back him up or potentially be a one A one B punch. Mm-hmm. But now it's all about the blue line. I think they need a defensive defenseman. They got a few. They got Furlong. Why not? They can both score. And uh, blanking on the third guy's name. Why not Furlong, and that will come back to it. Anyway, I think they need a defensive defenseman. they got a few guys who can put up points, but they need a big body back there that can uh, put on the no allow type play. So, I know you've been dying. I think you're, you're finished with your comments on that one. To wrap it up, I know Taylor's been dying to talk about the Islanders, so we're going to ask him one question. Where is Biak Matuka going, do you think? Because odds are he's getting traded. Odds are he'll be moved, yeah. Uh, just because last year was the big year, and this year I think a lot of Islanders fans know it's rebuild. Uh, <laughs> if I was to speculate, I'd say one of the top four contenders in the league. I'd say Sherbrooke will be looking at him. Probably Quebec could be looking at him. Halifax could use him too. There's no. T- I'll say this: Biak's having a is having a career year right now. He came back from Detroit camp unreal. Uh, eight goals so far this season. I think there's no team out there that wouldn't benefit from having him. Uh, you take back, you're only going to get better. Uh, I'm just going to appreciate him while he's here. I'll say that. He might be a future guest, too. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, Sorry to cut you off, Grant, but... For the that's, third time. That's all the time <laughs> we have. This is unscripted for today's show. And... The last thing we need to tell you to do is subscribe. Like and subscribe. If you haven't done it yet, what are you doing? Join in. Come on. I think today's episode was fun. It was enjoyable. I think everyone, it was a blast. everyone had a good time. I hope you guys enjoyed the new format. Just it's not and permanent, pals. but it, <laughs> we'll is something, it, yeah. it is something that we'll play around with in the future. But subscribe to our YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Do it. And follow us on all of our social medias as that's where you're going to see everything. And next week, I will have to mention that it is our season finale. So stay tuned for that guest. It's very special. And it's on a team. It's reasonably special. (laughs) Team that is streaking in the right direction leading up to the you said streaking. <laughs> What's wrong with streaking? <laughs> well, you it's right up there with screwed the pooch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no.
Alright, like and subscribe. Grant, take us home. <laughs>